0: We have a lot of exciting things going on here yep. at the Fitz Group. Um, one of the events that we just uh, finished in July is called—we called it Summer Slam. We're working right now towards the Fitz Fall. What are we calling it? Fitz Fall Fest. Fitz Fall Fest. A lot of yes. We like alliteration. We work hard at that. <laughs> um, but we have that coming up this fall in October. And um, if you're part of our um, membership team, part of our local organization with TFG. We definitely encourage you to go to the registration website. What is that?
1: thefitzgrouporg slash event registration.
0: Great. And learn more about these events that we have going on. But what I wanted to tell you Mm. is that we have just exciting growth, the best days are ahead of us and a lot and just a really special team. I mean, we really um, came away from SummerSlam remembering how special um, our team is and our organization. And one of the events that helped us remember that was our time that we had with our leadership team before the, before the main event. Right. And we spent some time with them and we, as a team, we talked in depth and very really authentically and intimately about three main um, just concerns or questions or things that great leaders do. Mm would be the best way to say that. And last podcast, if you listen to it, the first one was we talked about how to think differently. So today we're going to talk to you about the second one. And um, the next podcast coming out will be about the third uh, topic that we talked about, which is what great leaders do. Mm. So what great leaders do is they solve problems. Yeah. Now, if you're listening to my voice today, I am 100% sure that you have a problem.
1: Because you're breathing. What? <laughs>
0: you have a problem. Yep. As a leader, if you're going to choose to think differently and choose to be a great leader, then you're going to look for the solution to that problem. How do we solve problems for ourselves and for the people that are following us? How do we solve problems for our kids, for the next generation? How do we solve, peop- solve problems for people who are looking to us to inspire them? And that's what we're going to talk about today is really how do you identify the solution to the problem. Unfortunately, I can't specifically probably solve your specific problem today, (laughs) but we're going to help you in the thought process of helping you find that solution to your problem over these next few minutes we have together.
1: Yeah. And you know, one thing that I I really think in identifying and and solving a problem is, is first admit that you're not actually in control Right, I mean, I think that uh, a lot of leaders feel like leadership is about controlling the situation, as opposed to leading the situation, mm. and um, there's two very different things. That's Control so is an absolute illusion. I, 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 yeah, I talk to people. We lead people all the time in helping them establish their own small business, and I ask them a lot of times, like, what do you, what do you most desire? Why are you building your own business? Why, why don't you just go get a nine to five? Why are you starting something like this? And the, the, the answer kind of all falls under the category of autonomy. I, I like the idea of being independent and free to do my own thing. And I, 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 I get that, trust me, I get that. The autonomy word is a big word in my vocabulary. I love that word. But there's no such thing as independence, really. We're all interdependent you know, here we are coming out of the pandemic, mm-hmm. the, the co- coming out of it. I'm, I'm claiming that we're coming out of it, at least the talking about it. Like, ah, oh, so sick of it. But we just realize that we're absolutely, and to me, it's, it's like, okay, if you're so independent, why are you raising gas prices right now? Oh, you're not doing that? So you are interdependent with others? Um, lumber, was an issue so if you want to build a deck just like that you know the price of lumber is up and and now you you got to take out a a small fortune loan in order to to build a deck on your house but but you're in charge you're independent so why are you raising the price of lumber Mm -hmm. oh you didn't do that either see there's no real such thing as independence Mm -hmm. we are all interdependent with one another and everyone around the world and we have discovered that with the pandemic. I mean, when things getting shut down and, oh, I was so used to just going to the grocery store and walking in, la di da picking up what I needed. And now all of a sudden there's no toilet paper. Well, I, I, what did I do to cause the shortage in toilet paper? And you did nothing. It's called interdependence. Somebody else did it and it affected you. And you've got to really kind of grasp that if you're going to solve the problem that you're not fully in control. You're sort of, it's a process of dealing with circumstances. Yeah. Right. and leading through them that helps you find that solution.
0: That's right, I mean, like you said, we're laying out, as leaders, we're laying out a vision for them, but we're very aware that we have to lead them through it. Yeah. And it's kind of like we did touch on in the last podcast. This is a great example of talking about what we cannot control, which is what's going on outside mm. and all these ways that we are inter- interdependent versus controlling the choice to lead through the things that may easily knock us off course or knock the people that are following us off course. And as leaders, we've got to stay that beacon of light um, through the situations that we cannot control. Um, I think another, so that's one of a really important first thing to to bear in mind as you're trying to solve a problem is that we are leading through that problem. Um, The other thing that's really important to do is to stop and, and look at every single problem as a possibility, mm. as a new opportunity, <laughs> and, to, and to reframe the problem into a solution. You know, I've, I've thought it's interesting again, this after this pandemic, you know, one of the things we live uh, in a more city type environment, and uh, we became very aware of a lot of empty buildings around us and around where we live, even in our home. And, you know, it was interesting, like I remember when it first started happening, these empty buildings, I see a lot of people see that and it's really easy to go down this dark road of like, wow, there's empty business buildings. I mean, how, you know, how, how much more until we're all in a, in a food stamp line? I mean, there's (laughs) that feeling of this sense of loss and grief and despair. Um, But a leader stops and looks at an empty building and says, well, that's a possibility. What can I do with an empty building? And, you know, right now, the one on the corner by our street became a COVID testing center. But (laughs) still, that may not be the greatest example. (laughs) However, it still proves the point. Like, what are the things that are the empty buildings in your life that you have an opportunity or a possibility to create a solution? Um, Every problem is an opportunity.
1: You know, and, and going with that, um, when the pandemic hit us in March of 2020, hit us, I mean, our business, our industry, when it hit us, all of a sudden, we're like, we can't go see people. Our industry was labeled as essential, and we're labeled as essential workers because we sell life insurance. It's an important thing, uh, vital thing, essential, you might even say. And, uh, and we, we stayed in business, but we had to reshape it. We had to reframe it. And, um, you know, we've had a couple of people that figured out how to just sell over the phone. Um, And the insurance companies, like after 20 years of saying we had to see people in person, they changed their opinion in about 20 seconds, uh, realizing they were going to have a problem if they didn't reframe their uh, Mm -hmm. thought process and and change the structure. But we've had people now that do that. most of our agents at this point, if they're working uh, what we call a lead, somebody who's just asked us to contact them to sell them insurance, we're having to go see these people in, in, in person, but we're able to follow up with clients and add additional sales to, based on what the clients need down the road. We can do that over the phone or using Zoom, and that's just been something that has just changed in the last 18 months at this point in our business, and it changed out of opportunity, but we, instead of going, oh, God, we're out of business, instead we looked at it and said, okay, shift it. How, does this, how can this positively affect what we're doing. There's so many businesses that come out of adverse times like that during yes. the last mortgage crash in 07, 08, 09. In that window, there's a lot of businesses that launched out of that. I'm I'm looking at like, we use Zoom all the time for meetings. Zoom is a company that really exploded through this pandemic and is just doing you know phenomenally. But I also think, you know, it, ingest and if, if thinking funny here like I think about you know my golf game is a process of reframing the situation because I'm you know I'm on the tee box and I hit a shot and I'm like I know where I, what I want to do on this hole and then I hit my tee shot and I'm in the woods and I could just go I quit I'm in the woods this sucks but I'm outside I'm playing golf I like it it's like the one thing in my life I don't try to compete at I'm just having fun and and instead of getting all wrapped up and twisted in how awful that shot was and how there's never no way I'm ever going to get out of these woods, instead now I mean the guys who play golf with me ever they've heard me at least once every 18 holes say at least once every hole maybe, guys keep an eye on the hole something awesome's about to happen like there's an opportunity I have an opportunity for something incredible to happen and you know what's crazy, a lot of times great stuff happens like I I don't I'm not a good golfer but all of a sudden just because I changed that opinion I think of the situation I was in. Rather than trying to change getting into the situation, I'm already in it. Now I've got to reframe it and go, okay, well, how can I move forward on this? Oh, I see a little hole right there through the woods. I can hit the ball. And, okay, just just try it. it what if it doesn't work? So what? Then you get another opportunity to do something great. And you just keep getting opportunities. Eventually, you're going to hit on one. It's going to be greatness, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, I, I think the last <laughs> thing that we want to talk about when mm. you're finding um, when you, once you've found your solution or as you're leading, turning a problem into a solution, you've got to deliver that solution and you've got to lead with passion. Mm. And you've got to guard your heart against apathy setting in. And this is such an important point because the thing about a problem is it ha- it's like it has a silent whisper in your heart that's like, give up,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you're not going to make it. Don't do this. This was a bad, this is a bad way. Don't come this way, right? And so that's why as leaders, it's just so easy when we face problems, particularly on the days when we face an abundance of problems, um, when you just feel like it's coming at you from all sides, it's really easy that apathy can set into our hearts. Mm. And then we can go and try to deliver a solution and not really believe it deep in our hearts. Mm. And the people we lead, they can kind of sniff it out. And um, so it's so important that this kind of goes back to the last podcast when we talked about how great leaders are able to inspire themselves. Mm. They're able to change the way that they think about something. So as you as a leader go decide, I'm going to be fired up every time I face a problem because it's an opportunity to find a solution and lead people to a better tomorrow, When we go into these problems and delivering these solutions with that type of attitude, we can then inspire those following us to also push past their problems and find solutions. And I think that the the better we get at this as Mm. leaders, the better we grow. Like The more we, we face problems and we overcome them, the more convinced we become that it is better on the other side of the problem. But I, I do want to say that sometimes that apathy can set in, and it can set in kind of deep mm. And because um, it's a hopelessness. That's, that's what problems give us is a sense of hopelessness, and hopelessness can make your heart sick. Mm. And so it's very important as a leader for you to recognize, hey, if I'm in that place, you need to do something to get yourself out of that place. You need to go to a trusted mentor. You need to find A counselor you need to go to a safe place and get yourself back to believing again that that overcoming problems is is what you're passionate about because as great leaders like our passion and desire is to make life better for other people well if I don't believe deep down inside that that tomorrow really can be better how can I possibly lead someone to that same conclusion um, so it is so much on us as leaders that we continue to lead with passion and believe and fight that battle of hopelessness and um, and believe for a better tomorrow. Uh, and that's what will make the difference as we go to solve these problems.
1: Yeah, and when I think about apathy setting in, it certainly has hit me in the years. You know, in, in the last podcast, we talked about the, the ebb and flow of recruiting saga over you know a couple of decades of hiring agents. Um, and, and I, I talked about how I hired this person, didn't train them and then fired them and then hired this person, didn't train them, and fired them, talking about recruiters. And eventually I had nine, we had nine recruiters in the office and two initial dialers, never trained them. And apathy was there. I mean, it was a good five years of apathy when I hired that, that, that big recruiting staff. And then it was another two years or maybe a year and a half after that, that it was just like, you know what? I'm going to throw money at this. I'm going to keep pouring money into this problem and it's going to fix itself. And I wasn't because I wasn't passionate about it, I wasn't leading with passion, instead I was apathetic, I wasn't paying attention to the numbers really. And when I started looking at the numbers going, okay, this is what I'm paying and this is what I'm getting back, this result sucks. Then I started pausing, taking the time and sitting with the people that were doing the work and realizing that they weren't trained. And that was on me, I didn't train them and they didn't know what they were doing. And as soon as I got rid of that apathy of, I don't care, it's just gonna work itself out, but instead now cared about it and I showed them that I cared about their performance and their job and I wanted them to excel, all of a sudden it changed. It changed because we, we were able to identify the, 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 the solution to the problem and, uh, and move forward. So I don't know, does that help? That's awesome. Yep. yep.
0: Make sure you're with us next time. We're gonna talk about how we inspire as leaders.
1: Hey, now that you know. You know. You
0: know.